Hey, well, if we haven't met yet, my name is John. I'm one of our pastors here. Uh, I also have the opportunity to lead our school of ministry. And uh, I'm so excited to bring the word to you today because we're going to be launching a brand new series. But before we do any of that, I just want to take a moment and honor our pastors, Pastor Dustin and Jamie Bates. We're so thankful for them. And, uh, you know, this morning I was thinking about Jesus told the disciples, he said, a new commandment I give to you. And he essentially boils it down into two things. He says that you got to love God and you got to love people. And our pastors do both of those things so, so well. And so we're so grateful for them. And uh, really, this new series that we're starting, it's so on the heart of our pastor. And I really believe that what we're starting to talk about today is going to initiate some powerful, powerful things in our lives. Because today we're starting a series called Presence Over Everything. Presence Over Everything. Everything. And when we say presence over everything, here's what we mean by that. We value the presence of God more than anything else in our life. We put the presence of God over programs. We put the presence of God over our own perspective. The presence of God in our relationships, in our marriages, we're saying presence over everything. In our services here at the church, we're saying presence over everything. Now, I want to take a few moments. I want to lay a foundation. You guys good if I just jump right in? You need to get warmed up? Are you okay? Uh, I I, want to lay a foundation for, for this message because a lot of times when people say the presence of God is here, There's a little bit of ambiguity to that, like what does that mean? And if you ask different people, you might get different definitions. So I'm going to hit you with a definition to start out with. What is the presence of God? It's kind of a deep definition. So everybody buckle up. Okay. The presence of God is when God is present. That's all I got for you today. We say it like this. My presence is here because I'm here. Your presence is here because you're here. God's presence is here because why? Because he's here. So it's not ambiguous. It's not strange. But simply the presence of God is when God is present. Now, uh, I want to talk about a few common misconceptions about the presence of God. Again, we're just laying a foundation. Here's the first misconception is that the presence of God is for pastors and weird Christians. When a pastor comes and tells you, I've been in the presence of God, you're like, that makes sense. But nine times out of ten, when anybody else comes and tells you they've been in the presence of God, it comes from the mouth of one of those weird Christians. Anybody know a weird Christian? Don't point at anybody, but how many of you have met a weird Christian in your life? I grew up Pentecostal, so I've met a lot of them. We call that Pentecostal sometimes. I've met, like, I could tell y'all some crazy weird stories and I don't have time to tell you any of them because I got to get to the word but well I'll tell you one of these stories I was I was 19 years old just a young pup you know now I'm so mature and old but now it's just back then I was I was 19 years old I was preaching in West Texas in Childress Texas at Childress Assembly of God and uh, I stepped off the stage after the service and this lady started walking towards me and you can tell a weird Christian many times by a mile away you guys know the one I'm talking about the one that has 30 prophetic dreams a week the one that gets a flat tire and they're rebuking darkness 
They're like casting a demon out of their Toyota Corolla. It's just like, you know, we're, and she, like I could tell by the way that she was walking to, to, to me that she was a weird Christian. So like she walks up to me. She says, young man, I have the word of the Lord for you. I was like, okay, here we go. Um, you know. And she pulls tooth floss out of her purse. This is a true story. She pulls tooth floss out of, out of her purse. And she pulls a little of the tooth floss out and she puts it in my hand. Very invasive. Puts it in my hand. She says, I want you to squeeze this as tight as you can. You like that accent? I, so I, I squeeze it as, as tight as I could. Just trying to be obedient to the uh, alleged word of the Lord. And, and she yanks it out of my hand. She says, let's try that again. Puts it in my hand a second time. She says, squeeze harder this time. I squeeze I, as hard as I can, genuinely. She pulls it out of my hand. A third time that she does it, squeeze as hard as you can this time. I squeeze it. I'm white knuckling this thing. She pulls it out. And then she looks at me with her prophetic eyes. She says, now, young man, I don't know what all that means. But you do. And I'm never one to discourage someone trying to step out in a prophetic gift. So I just hit her with the, mmm. Yeah. That Pentecostal stank face, mmm. Wow. Like, I looked at her like, lady, if you've ever nailed it, you just nailed it. Like, if you've ever prophesied in red mail, you just did it. And so I walked out. My wife was with me. She's like, what does it mean? And I'm like, I have no clue. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have any idea. Many times when I tell this story, I will, people will come up to me after the service, and they will try to interpret what that lady did. And I'm like, I think you missed the point of that whole bit. So the presence of God is not just for pastors. The presence of God is not just for kooky Christians. The presence of God is for everybody. James 4.8 says, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. So the presence of God is for every person in this room today. Common misconceptions about the presence of God. Another one is that the presence of God is a feeling. Does the presence of God oftentimes produce a feeling? Yes, but he is not a feeling. Nor is the primary indication of the presence of God being in a room that I, being that I feel something. Dr. Craig Keener says this, If we must feel God's presence before we believe he is with us, we again reduce God to our ability to grasp him, making him an idol instead of acknowledging him as God. Dr. Craig Keener is coming for our heads today. The, the presence of God is not a feeling. It produces a feeling many times. But I have found, in fact, that when I don't feel God, when he is seemingly absent, that is when he's ever present. Because it's when I don't feel God that I am provoked to pursue him. So when I don't feel the presence of God, it's not him ignoring me. It's him inviting me into a deeper level of a relationship. That's good news for us. It's, it's important that we know that the presence of God is not a feeling because you need to know when you don't feel him, he's still with us. He is still with us. Another common misconception about the presence of God is that the presence of God comes and Goes. The Bible says this. David said in Psalm uh, 139, he said, Where can I go from your spirit? And where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my, my bed in the depths of hell, you are 
there. Every square inch of this room is filled with the presence of God. You're breathing in the presence of God right now. Where you live, where you drive, you, can't, you literally can not escape the presence of God. He's everywhere. But when we feel him, when we feel the presence of God, it's not because God has arrived. It's because we have become aware of his arrival. This reality is messing me up. Because I have been, guys, can I just tell you, I have, I have wept more tears over this message than any message I've written in a really long time. I've, because I'm starting to practice the presence of God. I'm starting to have this reality. He's with me everywhere I go. And when you become aware of his presence, that's when you encounter him. He's omnipresent. He is, he is everywhere, which should not create an apathetic approach to prayer. People have asked me before, they say, if God is already here, why do I need to invite him to come? We don't invite him because he's absent. We invite him to let him know he's welcome. So, so the presence of God in a room is not my permission to say, well, you're already here. I don't need to press in. See, my presence is in this room and your presence is in this room, but many of you I don't know. So you can be in the presence of someone that you don't have relationship with. The omnipresence of God is God's open door policy for you coming and joining with him in relationship any time you want. Man, I'm on an airplane last week, and I just, I just as I'm flying, I realize, man, I've got, I can, I have access to the presence of God right now. And so under my breath, I just begin to worship the Lord, and 10 minutes later, I'm weeping. I'm doing the Lou Engle rock. If you know, you know. I'm crying, and people are looking at me on the plane like real sympathetic, like something must be really wrong with you. Y'all, I was in a restaurant eating by myself, and I just like about to pick up my food, and I remember this scripture, in him, in him, in him we live and move and have our being. And I just hit with gratitude and the presence of God, and I'm crying into my seafood platter at Joe's Crab Shack. There's tears all over my calamari. And I'm just like, man, the presence of God. So I'm just saying be careful because the presence of God is about to break out in your life like never before. You're about to encounter him in ways that you have not encountered him. And now more than ever, we need need the presence of God on our lives. There's a boldness that comes with the presence of God. There's a, there's a passion, there's a confidence that comes when you know that he's with you. A couple of weeks ago, I was at uh, Hat Creek with my, with my family, and Hat Creek is amazing because it comes in with a built-in babysitter. It's got the, the jungle gym there, and so Kaylee and I never pay for babysitters. We just have all our dates there. They're super romantic, and we're at Hat Creek eating, and um, I hear, I start to hear my, my oldest, my four-year-old, he's crying. I can tell that he's in pain. So I, I run over to him. Hey, bud, what's going on? He's got tears streaming down his face. He said, that kid punched me in the face. I said, which kid? <laughs> but I see him out of the corner of my eye. I see the kid, like, frantically, like, looking, seeing, like, trying to hide, but he's looking at me. And so I have identified my culprit and my target. And I'm looking at this six-year-old like, I could take him. I could. It wouldn't even be a close. It wouldn't be a fair fight, and it wouldn't be close. I can take this kid down. And uh, MJ, why did he punch you? MJ wanted to grab this little wheel that was there, and the kid wanted it, so he punched him in the face. And so I see the mark on MJ's chin. And, and so I, 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 like a good dad, like a good pastor, I walk up into the jungle gym. I said, MJ, go grab the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> 
He said, but he's still there. He's, he's going to hit me. I said, and I said it loud enough for MJ to hear it, for the kid to hear it, and for the kid's parents to hear it. I said, he won't touch you if I'm standing right here. And so MJ wipes the tears from his eyes. He starts walking. He looks back at me to make sure I'm still there. And then he kind of like something shifted. He just started walking with like this four-year-old swagger. He went and grabbed the wheel like he owned it. Here's the thing. There is a confidence that comes when you know that your father is present. And you're not intimidated by the enemy. You're not intimidated by the attacks of the enemy. Because we know wherever I go, he's there. Wherever I can, where can I go from your presence? The presence of God is with you. And so today I want to talk about being a people of his presence. Let's pray, Jesus, we love you. And we just become aware of your presence right now. Lord, you're here. God, I pray that I would not speak with wise and persuasive words, but in demonstration of your Spirit's power. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us the anointing to listen to your word. God, I pray you would release an anointing to preach your word with power, with passion. And we thank you, God, that your presence is being revealed to us in this room. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 33. Uh, this is Moses has already delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, but they're not in the promised land yet. They're in between. And the Bible says this, Exodus 33, 1, the Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I have swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your offspring I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. Go to the promised land, God is saying, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you're a stiff-necked people. This is Moses' response. If you skip down to verse 12 of Exodus 33, Moses said, to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you've also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And God said, my presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. In verse 15, Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go with me, do not bring us up from this place. If your presence doesn't go with me, I don't want to go. If your glory doesn't go with me, if you're not in it, then I don't want it. Now, I've heard this message or this verse quoted a lot in my life, but we kind of quote it really flippantly. Consider the gravity of what Moses is saying in this moment. Moses is, the whole mess that Moses has gone through from getting the children of Israel to the promised land, it is, it is all, been, like the pain has all been for the purpose of getting to the promised land. He's been chased by chariots. He has lost family members. He has lost people that he loved. He's dealing with ungrateful people. And he's going, all of this pain has been for the sake of this purpose. And Moses is saying, if you're not coming with me, then I'm willing to lay all of that down. 
People of his presence. Here's the first thought I want to give you. People of his presence. Understand, we choose presence over purpose. Presence over purpose. Have you noticed that we live in a culture that has deified purpose? We have deified destiny. In other words, we have made gods out of our goals as if the primary reason we are on the earth is to fulfill our purpose, our calling. Now, I love purpose. I I love calling. I think it's important, but we would be missing it if we sought to do stuff for God rather than do stuff with God. You were created for relationship. I want to break this down for you for a moment because in Exodus chapter 33, we see God say, you're going to walk in the purpose, but my presence is not going to go with you. And it's puzzling because it seems to contradict the two promises that God gave Moses in Exodus chapter 3. The burning bush, God is with Moses and he gives him two promises. He says to him, you're going to deliver Israel to the promised land and I will be with you. So this is a promise of purpose and a promise of presence. But then we fast forward to Exodus chapter 33, and and God says, I'm going to give you purpose, but I'm taking my presence from you. So there's tension. It seems to be a contradiction. Here's a Bible reading tip. Anytime you see two verses that seem to contradict one another, you can either get critical or you can get curious. I've found that revelation oftentimes exists in the tension between two seemingly contradictory ideas. When there are two things that seem contradictory to one another, I look for the revelation. So we're seeing in Exodus 3, I'm going to be with you, and you're going to function in purpose. Exodus 33, you're just going to function in purpose, and I won't be with you. So did God change his mind, or is God testing Moses? Well, we know the word of God says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God did not change his mind. God is giving Moses a pop quiz. He is saying, are you willing to live in purpose without my presence? Are are you willing to walk in what I've called you to do if it means, I just want you to know you can walk in purpose in abandoned presence. And I feel this so strongly in my spirit because we live in a hustle and grind culture. Like it's all about the hustle. It's all about the grind. Chase your dreams. Chase your destiny. Chase your purpose. And again, I believe in purpose and I believe in destiny and I believe in dreams. But none of those things are worthy of my pursuit. There is one man that is worthy of my pursuit. His name is Jesus. I am not in pursuit of doing something great. I'm I'm in pursuit of getting to know the only one who is great. Chase presence, not purpose. Now, if you're in the room and you're like, okay, so do I have to like not live with purpose for the rest of my life? Here's the good news. You can live with purpose and abandon presence, but if you chase presence, purpose will follow. If you chase presence, you will find yourself looking over your shoulder and seeing purpose follow you everywhere you go. It's like this. If I chase my shadow, I'll never catch it. But if I chase the sun, my shadow follows me everywhere I go. 
if I chase purpose, I'll never be satisfied. There's got to be more. There's gotta, it's got to be bigger. i got to make more. i got to do more. I gotta, uh, but if I chase his presence, purpose will follow me everywhere I go. You'll find yourself in rooms that you're not qualified for. You'll find yourself with opportunities that you don't deserve and you didn't earn. But the reality is our pursuit is not purpose. It's, it's presence. You were created for presence. You... You were not created to do something great. You were created to be in relationship. <laughs> John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life that we may know God. So what's the point of all of existence from eternity past to now to eternity future? We are, our mission is simply that we would know God. And my prayer is that this sets some of you free because I have lived a lot of time in my life spinning my wheels, hoping that I end up in the right purpose, hoping that I discover the call of God. Did I move to the right city? Am I in the right church? Am I doing the right things? And I've been set free when I realized God said, your mission is just to know me. And if you know me, you'll know what you're called to do. Don't chase purpose. Chase him. The people of his presence choose. We choose presence over purpose because purpose is a great gift, but it's a bad God. Moses said, I'm not moving forward if your presence doesn't go with me. Moses aces the test. He says, I don't want purpose without presence. God, if it's not both, I'm staying right here. I remember... My first year of ministry, I had been entrusted with a budget. I was 19 years old, scary thing. And the first um, logical purchase that I thought I should make as a youth pastor was to purchase a drone that could capture footage. And so, you know, 75% of the budget in the first quarter just gone like that. And... Uh, and so me and my friend, we are flying this drone around, and we're capturing, I mean, 4K camera, and just getting this money footage. It's just beautiful. It's going to shake the city that we're, you know, that we're in. And, and so uh, after we're, we're uh, learning how to use this drone after a while, he, he, he goes, bro, let's see how high I can go. I'm like, bro. He's like, bro. I'm like, bro. I'm like, bro. Let's go. <laughs> bro. And so, so we send it. We hit the thing, and it goes, we just see it go. I'm like, you see it? He's like, I don't see it. I'm like, you think I'm fired? He's like, yeah, you're fired. I don't remember how long we wait, maybe 30 seconds, maybe a minute, but after a little while, I see a spot cascading from the heavens and with it, my ministry career, and I see it falling from the ground, and it poof, hits the middle of a field. I'm just like, well, it's, you know, try something else, I guess, sales, I don't know. <laughs> The crash happened because it elevated past its connection to the source. 
Moses said, God, I'm not interested in going up there into purpose without your presence because Moses understood that distance from God is actually dangerous. And I want you to know the enemy is okay with your promotion as long as you're promoted out of relationship. The enemy is okay with you doing more and doing great things for God as long as you are slowly and subtly distancing yourself from God. People of his presence choose presence over purpose. People of his presence, here's number two, understand that distance is dangerous. Distance is dangerous. This principle is all throughout scripture, but there's one particular verse that I think of in Mark chapter 6. The disciples are on a boat. They are rowing, and the Bible says that there's a storm that is uh, attacking their boat, and they see someone walking on the water from a distance. And we know that it's Jesus walking on the water, but they say, look, it's a what? Help me. It's a ghost. Now pause for a second. This is Jesus. (laughs) This is the king. This is Messiah. This is the son of God. This is the one who can speak peace be still and the storm ceases. This is the one who raises the dead and opens blind eyes and cleanses the leper and opens deaf ears. This is Jesus. And they say that's a ghost. Why? Because distance creates distortion. And if I live at a distance, I will accidentally identify him as someone who is powerless when he has the ability to stop the storm that I'm in. Every time I've doubted to believe that God is who he says he is, it's a distance problem. Every time I've questioned, is God good or is he not, it's a distance problem. Every time, I've never wondered, is he faithful when I'm in his presence? I've never wondered, is he good when I'm in his presence? Because distance creates distortion, but proximity creates clarity. So when I get in the presence of God, I'm reminded, that's not a ghost, that's Jesus. That's the healer, and he can still heal. That's the deliverer, and he can still deliver. Come on, that's the one who set me free. That's the one who's always good. When I'm in proximity, there's clarity. Distance is dangerous because you weren't created to live at a distance. You go back to the creation account when God was creating the heavens and the earth. The Bible says God was speaking things into existence. Don't miss this. God said, let there be light, birds, rivers, mountains, valleys, oceans, creatures of the deep. God is saying, let there be, let there be, let there be. What is God showing? He has the authority to create with his words. Then it, times come, it comes time to, for him to create man. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, he had the authority to say, let there be man, let there be woman. He had the authority to speak us into existence. But if I speak to you, distance is allowed in, in the middle of us. And so God did not speak to man. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, the Bible says that he got down on his hands and knees and formed man from the dust of the ground because he was making an announcement. These ones, there can be distance, but with me and my creation, we're never going to be separated. We're never going to be distant. We were not created to live with any distance between us and the presence of God. Distance is dangerous. The final thing that people of his presence need to understand is that we can't live without it. I love how stubborn Moses is. 
He's like, yeah, no, I'm not going if you're not going. Can you just picture like Moses folding his arms and like sitting on the ground like, nope, not going to go, not going to do it. No. So stubborn. We need to get stubborn about the presence of God. Like I'm not leaving this place until I encounter you. We are stubborn about everything else. Oh, I got quiet. Oh, Jesus, help me to preach. We are stubborn about everything else. We're stubborn about our politics. We're stubborn about our perspectives. We're, we're stubborn about what we post on social media. We're su- stubborn about our likes and our dislikes. How many of you are stubborn? You're too stubborn to raise your hand. It's time to get stubborn about the presence of God. I refuse to leave this place until I encounter you. Did you know the Bible says that if you seek him, you will find him? So the only reason we don't find his presence is because we're content to live without it. I cannot live without his presence. I can survive without it. But I'm not talking about surviving. I'm talking about living. I'm talking about John 10.10 life. I'm talking about Zoe. I'm talking about an abundant life. It only comes from his presence. Been feeling weak, been feeling empty, been feeling broken. The answer is in his presence. All throughout scripture I see people who are stubborn. They're stubborn about encountering God. There's this one story where there are these four guys that need a miracle and They hear that Jesus is teaching, and so they go to the place where Jesus is teaching, and they see that he's in the house, and he's surrounded by people, so an encounter is not convenient. But there was nothing in these guys that said, maybe next Sunday. There was nothing in them that says, maybe when they play the set list that I like. There was nothing in them that said when it's a little bit more convenient or easier to encounter the presence of God, when I don't have all this other stuff going on. They said, no, we're going to, they were stubborn about it. And so these people climb up onto the roof of this stranger's house and start pulling a hole in their, oh, that's hunger. That's passion right there. They said, well, I can't live without it. I can't, I can't live without it. There's, There's a woman who, had an issue of of blood and she sees Jesus walking and she needs to get in his presence. But there's a crowd in between her and Jesus. So again, an encounter is not convenient. It's painful for her to press through. It's vulnerable. It's embarrassing for her to press through. But she can't live without it. She presses through doubt, presses through insecurity. I can't live without it. Jacob, in the Old Testament, he's wrestling with God. And he says, I'm going to wrestle here until you bless me. Why? can't live without it. Jesus had just risen from the dead. Peter is fishing on a boat, and and Peter notices that Jesus is at the shore. And Peter does not comfortably coast back to shore. He does not take the convenient route. Oh, Jesus, I'll, I'll be there in a minute. When Peter notices something in his heart said, I can't live without it. 
he dives into the sea and he pursues Jesus. Bartimaeus, a man who was blind, is, is, is in need of a miracle, in need of the presence of God. And he hears that Jesus is coming by and he shouts these words, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The disciples tell him, you need to quiet down, you need to chill out. But guess what, Bartimaeus, I can't live without it. And the Bible says that Bartimaeus shouted out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And I'm just believing that God is stirring this room to shout out all the more. In the midst, oh, it may be inconvenient, and it might be uncomfortable, and it might be embarrassing, but I can't live without the presence of God. I've, I've, I've learned I can't, I can't live without it. I've learned I can't live without the presence of God. I can survive, but I can't live without it. I can, I can live, listen, I can live without this microphone. And I can live without opportunities. And I can live without a stage. And I can live without... I can live without a lot of money and I can live without a car and I can, I can live without Instagram and I can live without Facebook and I can live without followers and I can live without validation. But one thing that I haven't seemed to be able to figure out, I can't live without the presence of God. I'm telling you, this reality, if you get stubborn about it, it'll turn cities upside down. It will change lives. It will change your family because the presence of God changes every environment it comes into. So how do I practice the presence of God on a daily basis? It's very simple. Just got a few things for you. How do I do this in my daily life? Praise often. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people in Psalm 22. So when you tell God who he is as you're in your car, as you're at work, Jesus, you're faithful. God, you're good. He inhabits those praises. He can't resist them. How do I practice the presence of God? I read the word of God out loud. Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life. So when I declare truth, he invades in. And finally, pray daily. Prayer has changed my life. A life of prayer has changed my life. How do I pray daily? I would encourage you to find a time and a place. Set an appointment. Put it on your calendar. There, there are people that I have set up meetings with that I would never dare to miss that meeting. And I think we need to get just as stubborn about our meetings with God as we are meetings with important people. Set a time and a place. If you were to come to my house on a Sunday morning, Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, from 5 a.m. to 5.30, you'll find me in the same place. I got a time and I got a place where I meet with him. I sleep in on Friday and Saturday, and it's just as holy as when I... I think the presence of God on our lives is the hope of the world. I'll never forget, I was three years into ministry 
and I was striving to be relevant. Trying to be effective. I felt like I was spinning my wheels when God reminded me it's about my presence. And my wife and I would consistently pray, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in my home. Everywhere we go, we invite you. And I'll never forget, we were counseling this young girl who was coming from an abusive situation. She, her parents had, uh, were physically and verbally abusive to her and were counseling with her. She, her she's got a terrible home life and, and we're counseling, but the presence of God is there. And she doesn't have the language for it, but she's got tears in her eyes. And she said, this might sound weird to you, but it's so impactful for me. She said, I, she's sitting there with me and my wife in our home. And she says, I, this sounds super weird. But can I like lay down and take a nap? She, she said, I just haven't felt peace like this in a long time. And this precious girl left an abusive, dark situation, came into the presence of God. And just like God said with Moses, my presence will give you rest. I don't know what you need today, but it's found in the presence of God. I need to be healed. It's in his presence. I need freedom. It's in his presence. I need to be, I need to be delivered. It's in his presence. I've been anxious. Peace is in his presence. I've been depressed. Joy is in his presence. Everything that we need is found in the presence. He is here. Can you feel him? Yeah.